house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get We want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. It seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? A royal cow. And yet she barely produces a thing. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. Let's hope he's one of those. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that acts like a bitch because sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here, as always, with my tasty oily cake, Chris File. Hello, Chris. I'm a donut. It is a donut. Like We it's can all be donut. honest about that. It's a donut. I mean, Oily cake maybe sounds, you could say like, it's a beignet, nice. but I do we think people... it's one of those things where, like, what are they like? What are some of the things that they like on Top Chef try and like zhuzh up? And it's like <laughs> it's a deconstructed donut, <laughs> sort of, or like what there there are like certain like culinary terms where it's just like you're just talking about like whatever. I this doesn't have anything to do with cooking, but I thought this earlier today when I was reading um, Asteroid City reviews, and like, and it applies to First Cow actually. Because, and I, by the way, am as guilty of this as anybody, talking about, like, Academy Ratio, right? Like, something was filmed in Academy Ratio, and it's presented in Academy Ratio. And I'm like, what if I just started to use Academy Ratio to describe squares in general? And just be like, I'm going to, like, I've got to... not a square. It is a... Like, oh my god, I've got to walk through Times Academy Ratio today, instead of, like, Times Square or something. It's a square. A square is a one-to-one aspect ratio. See, Xavier Delon's mommy... All right, but come on, it's a, it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's technically a, a rectangle. Oh my god, we're gonna fight! It's a square. Did you watch Project Runway of the year where uh, Chris Christopher Palou went on that rant about blood orange? It's like that kind of blood orange. This is actually a gorgeous color. Mm-hmm. Blood orange. She's so pretentious. Shut up! It's red. Blood orange. Where he was Maybe. like blood orange. It's fucking in my, red. In my recent Project Runway rewatch, I'm realizing, oh, I stuck with Project Runway way longer than I thought I did. And I, I bailed like way sooner than I thought. Yeah. Um Okay, uh this is this is in the future. We're recording an episode like a month in the future. Can we yeah. have you watched the premiere of the of the twentieth no. season? No, I'm so bogged down in other things, I gotta get to it. Uh, uh. What? I'm just going to say it's stressful. And also the show is oh. very very different now than what I'm used to, but Sure. It's stressful. Uh I'll pivot quickly by saying you can't just casually bring up Top Chef right now. I'm in a very vulnerable place not only because we have to bid adieu to Padma Lakshmi, though we can go I know. And watch her other show. I know. Um underwhelming season that should have been I I stalled out was. like 
several episodes ago and I'm going to probably catch up at some point, but like, I don't know. And I did that with Buddha's last season. So like, I wonder if it's Buddha, even though I like Buddha, like I like I, Buddha too, but I just feel like his, Buddha winning his competence, two seasons in a row, literally two seasons in a row. Yeah. His honest, unbeatable competence isn't maybe always the best TV. It's, I, I don't know. Also, I think everybody it, it fell added to the ceiling to the feeling of this season feeling underwhelming for what it was. You know. Also, following the show on social media, as I had fallen like increasingly behind, and everybody kind of fell in love with Victoire, even though the first love few her. episodes, I'm like, she's a disaster, and I cannot, and I like, I really wanted her to go in those first few episodes where she was just like so stubborn and just like, well, I'm not going to cook that, and it's just like, well, then don't no, be on the she show because like, she whatever. becomes a really, really interesting character. Mm, okay, the all right, we'll see. Um, I don't know. I may or may not go back. Yeah, uh, it's a bummer that Padma's leaving, though. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna fill that void. They might not. Like, I mean, they have to. They have to keep going. They'll like, probably have, you know, maybe like Tom and Gail step up. Oh, and, sure, like, they'll off, try. Which is probably yeah. better than just throwing someone to the wolves. Who? Katie Lee Joel's phone rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, my friend Katie and her husband, William. Still one of my favorite anecdotes. All right. So we are dipping into... This is not our first movie from the COVID year, but this is this is our first movie that, like, hits really close to home in terms of, like, this is a movie that is kind of intimately emotionally associated with COVID, even though it... You it like premiered at festivals safely in 2019, mm-hmm. but like this was a movie, First Cow, that so many people were like, "Oh, that was the last movie I saw in theaters before." It's the first down. movie I watched in lockdown. Oh, interesting. I had, because, I watched it. Well, I was supposed to have a press screening locally the week uh-huh. that things were leading into lockdown, and they okay. canceled it. Yeah, and I was like. Hey, you know, uh, this is still, it will be shut down for three weeks, Terrain. Yes. Uh, And I, you know, was in touch with the press agent. I was like, hey, would it be possible to get a link? I know they don't normally send links. Would it be possible? And I got one, and I watched it the first day. Oh, nice. I watched it that first Saturday morning of, well, this is our life for the next three weeks. Um, I feel like I saw it at some point, and I want to say it was over the summer of 2020 film society of Lincoln center started making movies available to purchase a virtual ticket for, and you bought it on this movie doing the immediate virtual jump as a 24 did. And then over the summer they did make it available. Like it wasn't like standard VOD. You couldn't get it on Amazon or iTunes, but like at Lincoln center, like as you would, if you were going to see it at the Walter Reed or whatever, um, you bought a ticket, you got an online portal and you watched it there. So that's how I watched that. Um, and I thought it was so lovely. I thought it was so wonderful. And it was enough ahead of everything else. And it was enough of like the big critical fave that like 
there were very few things that were like that knew what their release strategy was going to be for a while there right Mm -hmm. studios and even indie studios were really kind of formulating their plans through the summer because there were as you said like there were still these sort of like glimmers of like well maybe by september like maybe by like that tiff didn't get like whatever like because it didn't get canceled right it just got made like very very virtual they like had the max capacity that you could have a people be in a place for every screening but that's like but i remember it was a few months a couple months where like you me and katie were still on group chats being like you think they're gonna cancel it like there were still these like maybe we'll just get past this wave and we'll flatten the curve and everything will be like so a also lot of the time of festivals being like well we'll host outdoor screenings and we'll mm-hmm. do drive-ins and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so for a while there it was kind of just first cow and when the sort of the 2020 awards year started to lay out in front of people and i think you got a lot of people who were like oh my god like there could be some really interesting indies who have a shot this year that you would never because like in any normal year no matter how great the reviews of a kelly reichardt movie like first cow were you anybody with any kind of like rationality would be like that's wonderful the oscars are never gonna go for it because it's too only one of her movies as we were talking about before we started only one of her movies has made a million dollars at the box office which is wild it is it's what say which movie it is which uh uh it's certain women the great makes a certain amount of sense uh none of her movies have gotten any kind of oscar nominations right no yeah so she truly is like one of the great unsung filmmakers who everybody knows, right? She's sort of unsung in the mainstream. Nobody like my mom and dad know, don't know who Kelly Reichert is, but like everybody who follows movies and writes about movies on the level that we do know who Kelly Reichert is. She became a, if she wasn't already a household name to us, to people like us, uh, parentheses, Whatever, not pejorative. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shading us. Parentheses, um, side eye. If it wasn't by Wendy and Lucy, it was definitely by Meek's cutoff, right? Like yeah. by Meek's cutoff, because by then she had made three movies. Old Joy was her first, and then Wendy and Lucy. River and then, of Grass was her first. Oh my god, I always forget River of Grass. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, which was even like less uh, well known than. There's Old a Joy. twenty year gap between those movies too. Yeah. Um, but my by Meek's cutoff, she's making her second movie at that point with Michelle Williams. Um, it's a the scope has gotten bigger. It's playing the big festivals. I saw Meek's cutoff at the New York Film Festival, um, and she's getting kind of a a vibe. Right, her her movies are starting to coalesce in terms of theme the pacific northwest thing the michelle williams thing um you know the humans communing with nature kind of thing and she's becoming a filmmaker who people can kind of get a handle on and by that point she becomes a real big fave with you know the indie folk and so by the time first cow comes out I think there's a lot of 
silver lining for people being like, well, the bad news is there's a global pandemic that has shut down everything, including movie theaters, and we can't go anywhere and we can't do anything. The bright side is maybe we can get Kelly Reichardt a goddamn Oscar nomination by this Mm -hmm. point. And that's sort of the story of this movie through the lens of awards. And that's what we'll be talking about in this episode, which makes for kind of a really rich and interesting Oscar story despite the COVID of it all. So I'm excited to talk about it. Also, I just, <laughs> I love this movie. What did I text you I when I was watching? I was it, just it, like, he's just such a nice man referring to John Magaro's character. <laughs> Cookie really Figowitz. Cookie um, Also being able to see this movie in a theater after all of this uh, felt like such a relief as well. Um, I have to say of just, yeah, I gotta ah. figure out how I'm gonna see this thing on a big screen at some point in my life because I mean uh, Kelly Reichart, uh, you know, retrospectives are a thing yeah, now because she sure has are. amassed such a substantial uh, career. Yeah, um, and you have seen her most recent movie showing up. I still haven't. But my favorite I'm... movie of the year so far showing. Is up. that true? Wow. Yes, that is true. That Did you movie see it? Uh, made me feel seen in such a visceral way that I could. My options were to laugh or cry. Um, it. I think among her many talents, I think Kelly Reichart is maybe the best purveyor of two things: um, comfort. I think uh, sure. when she she taps into how comfort feels and like what comforts us as people spiritually, physically, um, you know, whether it's through relationships or, uh, communing with nature or donuts. Um, very, a taste of home. Yeah. Presenting our art to the world. Um, but Kelly Reichardt is also, um, the best purveyor of human behavior in terms of people who are being assholes but not trying to be assholes, <laughs> casual cruelty that um, in some of her movies can be very funny and sometimes can be sure. immensely painful <laughs> in yes. something like Wendy and Lucy. Um, yeah. I-, I would say showing up is pretty damn funny. Um, but so many people, especially uh, Hong Chow in like one of the opening scenes, it's like... They're not trying to be an asshole, but <laughs> through the lens of the protagonist, these people are just being assholes yeah. and like casual yeah. assholishness. Yes, that just becomes very, very funny, and I think uh, Kelly Reichardt, you know, portrays that all very, very well. Showing up was at Cannes last year, right? And kind of yes. didn't get much of anything. It was very Can, very New York, and that was it until released this spring, I think. Yeah, but it was one of those movies where I was like, I was kind of hoping that it's it's I I am slowly but surely learning every year. We're growing, we're learning, we're we're evolving, people. Um, learning not to put all of my eggs in the basket of a movie that I'm excited for getting an, a can response that is uh, thrilling because well, sometimes we played the last day of can. Well, that's the most thing is, of the press is gone. Circumstantially circumstance makes a big difference with a lot of, you know, reception to can movies. And I can't always rule something out just because something felt muted over there. And I'm, 
learning that lesson more and more. Um, I'm excited to get into First Cow, but it's going to be a lot that we can talk about. Of course, uh, baby boy John Magaro, who I love. Um, we'll talk about the whole Kelly Reichardt thing. We'll talk about the 2020 of it all. Um, there's a lot going on. National Border Review comes into play. I have a game for us. We can talk about the Gotham Awards and the Indie Spirit. So there's a lot going on. But first, is Chris, the game like some version of, you know, the lemonade stand game that you can play online where we have to go to market and make and sell donuts? It's I'm just going to make you play Oregon Trail is what I'm going to oh, okay. do. <laughs> yeah. Set up. Welcome to Meek's Cutoff. You must set- for the river. Set up a donut stand somewhere along the Oregon Trail. Okay. Uh, You're lost. Go find your dog. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, You're in love with Kristen Stewart. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, Man in the grocery store has caught you stealing. (laughs) That fucking guy in Wendy and Lucy. Last time I rewatched... Well, I finally rewatched Wendy and Lucy. Because Wendy and Lucy, I thought, was one of those movies that I was like, I can't go through that experience again. Because, like, animals in danger, for whatever reason, just can't do it in movies. And I'm not that kind of softy. But when I rewatched it, I was like, this fucking guy. I'm going to (laughs) jump through the screen and I'm going to fucking kill this little grocery (laughs) store clerk, little fucking bitch that... Watch Wendy and Lucy. You'll get mad with me, too. He did not have to do all that. I haven't seen Wendy and Lucy since 2008, so I'm excited. Excited. Excited is the wrong word. At some point, I'm going to rewatch that movie. And uh, uh, The lesson of Wendy and Lucy is if you see someone shoplifting, no, you didn't. (laughs) You mind your goddamn business. Mind your fucking business. I'm setting. I'm going to set you up for a 60 second plot description for First Cow, uh, but first I'm going to lay out the particulars. We are talking about the 2020 film First Cow, directed by Kelly Reichardt, written by Jonathan Raymond and Kelly Reichardt, starring John Magaro, Orion Lee, Toby Jones. This is our fifth Toby Jones, so the next one gets a game. Uh, Ewan Bremner, Scott Shepard. Gary Farmer, Lily Gladstone, heard of her, um, and Big Alia Shawkat as uh, modern hiking girl. That's uh, <laughs> a woman frame, frame story. Sally is uh, Alia Shawkat's name. Uh, this premiered, as I said earlier, August thirtieth, twenty nineteen, at the Telluride Film Festival in twenty nineteen. Then went on to play the New York Film Festival and Berlin uh, before then opening on. Let everybody say yikes with me. March sixth, twenty twenty. Stuff was happening then. We'll talk about it. All right, Chris. I'm going to bring up my stopwatch. You can take a few more seconds to prepare to give a 60-second plot description of First Cow. Are you ready? Sure. Begin now. All right, Alia Shawkat finds two uh, skeletons in the woods. We hop back in time about, like, 200 years, I think, and uh, we meet Cookie Figowitz, who is leading a trapper group, and he is cooking for them. He's basically in an old-timey service industry, and they treat him like shit. He meets a naked man in the woods named King Lou, and then they become friends, but then they separate, and, you know, King Lou uh, goes away. But then they meet again when Cookie Figowitz is in a town, and they go in a bar. There's a bar fight, and Cookie has to hold a baby 
it's so fucking cute. 30 seconds. And then they're like, you know what? We could have a life together and we're going to do all of this. But then uh, there's a uh, like a rich English trader that comes to town and he brings a cow with it. And they steal her milk and they go to market and they make some donuts and then they get really super popular. And then the trader's like, hey, make a claw foutee. Ten this seconds. is so good. Um, and they get in with the trader and then they realize that they're stealing the milk and then they try to kill Cookie and Lou. They get separated and then they come back together and they die in the woods and Alias Shawcat finds them 200 years later. Ba-boom! Five seconds over. Not bad. Not bad. Um, you know what? It, yes. Finest film of 2020 in that, uh, you know, very kind of rudimentary story that's all about... Uh, the crushing and uh, isolating blows of capitalism yeah. and how the best that we can do is find someone to endure it with. The and, thing about uh, this movie is with almost all of the Kelly Reichardt movies that I've seen, and I still have not seen uh, Showing Up, as I mentioned, nor Old Joy, nor um, her debut movie. But of the ones that I have seen, I had by the point I had uh, was going to see first cow. I kind of knew that like, I, I think all of Kelly Reichardt's movies are good. I like some maybe better than others. I think night moves is maybe the weakest, but even night moves, it's like, night it's moves not a bad, really good. it's not a bad movie. Um, but even with my faves of Kelly Reichardt's, I had kind of sort of gotten in the rhythm of, they're just movies. I really, really respect. Even if sometimes they are, a little bit of work. You know, Meek's Cutoff is a great movie that's a little bit of work. You know what I mean? It's it's an endurance test. It's supposed to be. You're supposed to sort of feel that, you know, the the strain of the the length of their journey and all of that. Wendy and Lucy is emotionally hard. Um certain women, I think, by its structure is a little bit up and down because it's, you know, sort of vignette-y. But I've liked all of them. And so I think my expectation with First Cow is I'm going to like this movie. I'm going to really respect this movie. This will probably be somewhere in my top 20. And, you know, there it'll be great. And I watched First Cow and I was like, oh, no, I love this movie. Like something yep. about this movie for whatever reason. And like, I'm sure it has to do with me being a total sap for like human kindness because it genuinely it's that cookie and King Lou, first of all, have this like really adorable domestic uh, rapport with each other where like they live in the same shack and they make their donuts and they have a business plan and they're kind of, you know, old timey food truck. Yeah, but like they're it's kind of rows. like, let's get let's get, you know, platonically married and start a business together and we'll live in the same shack and it's like and it's just very sweet and then the scenes where cookie goes and illicitly milks this cow and is just very sweet to this cow I, i'll talk about well i'll talk about it now one of the things that i love about first cow I, this is how this is what happens with me, Chris. Is I sort of like Russian nesting doll my way into tangents, and then I have to like back out of it to like get back to my original point. I'll talk about the cow in a second. Um, the thing about first cow is that I walk out of that movie and I'm like, well, I love it. I have this like heart connection to a Kelly Riker movie for the first time, and it's really, really kind of thrilling. And so, as this year goes along. 
Uh, and it's funny because I think the only movie that that exceeded it on my top 10 was the movie that kind of guaranteed that it didn't get an Oscar push is Minari, because Minari was the yeah. other A24 movie that A24 really got... said, we only have money for one movie. Well, sometimes also, it'd be, sometimes it'd be like Reichardt that. <laughs> probably didn't care and didn't want to do any interviews or anything. Well, and ultimately it was the right call because like they, they managed to get pretty far with Minari, which is good. Um, and I love Minari. I think Minari is a wonderful movie movie um but so my thing with the scenes with the cow is cookie so sort of tender with this cow and kind of like relates to this cow like they've both sort of ended up in this oregon territory somehow i think at one point somebody asks cookie how he ended up in the oregon territory and he's like Kind of like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It just sort yeah. of like, it just sort of happened that way. And he like ended up there. When he first meets her, he's like, I'm sorry about your husband. Who yeah. Died well, that's the, the thing is this cow, there. this titular first cow ends up making this journey from wherever they brought her from. And along the way, her mate, her bull died and her calf died. And so she's the only cow in Oregon. And haven't we all been there? And so Cookie's like talking to the cow and being like, as you said, like, I'm sorry your calf died. I'm sorry your husband died. I'm sorry you're all alone. And this cow is like, and is sort of, you know, to get milk out of this cow, he's sort of putting her at ease, right? Like, the, you know, cows uh, are as subject to anxiety as the rest of us. Again, been there. Um, and it's just these really lovely scenes. But what I love and respect about first cow is you never got to the point for as much as you know like and people will like meme shit about anything you never got to the point where like people who loved first cow were like oh my god this cow is everything oh my god like you know well, first uh, of all put some respect on her name the actress is evie the cow <laughs> But she the, was memed by A24, and yes, in the way that they make shit annoying sometimes. But that was A24. And first, and like, I think the fact that I didn't know the cow's name is crucial because it's not like Kelly Reichardt makes this movie to like anthropomorphize and center the cow, right? This is a movie about people. And ultimately, I respect that there are there was a way to make this movie that like maybe centered the cow a little bit more and like made your movie a little bit more commercial. And like God like all do, you know, love and respect to movies like EO and whatever, who which are like, you know, center the animal. EO couldn't not center the animal, but you know what I mean? Like an, a, an animal, Jenny yes, the donkey. Do. Jenny the donkey is a perfect example. I'm right? not giving A24 a pass for not being annoying online, though. I'm not saying A24. I'm saying, I'm saying Kelly Reichardt. That's that's all the respect difference. to Evie's performance. We respect Evie. We don't. But but it's but it's nice that there's the that the movie stays on the side of we're gonna make this like these interactions between Cookie she is and still the cow. Very much a cow. She is are not, very much know. like those scenes are about Cookie, right? They are about you know this guy sort of like getting out his own anxieties and his own sort of you know troubles by talking to this cow. And it's really lovely, and it's a character moment for him. And I just think he's a very nice man in very uh, brutal times. And 
I don't significantly know. I brutal times because like like I mentioned, Kelly Reichardt is one of the greatest purveyors of comfort, but she in doing so, she shows us the absence of comfort too. Like the most crushing thing in this movie is that like young man waiting in line for his donut, and then this rich man like bustles past him and gets his place in line and he doesn't get his donut. They run out of donuts for the day and he's just like silently stricken and has to come back well, the next day and hope that he can get and his it's oily cake. heavily implied that that kid, that spurned kid, is the one who ends up killing them in the woods. We don't see it. We see uh, Cookie runs out of, you know, runs out of gas and he's got to take a break and and King Lou uh, lies down next to him and they're like, that's okay, it's going to be okay, we're just going to like... Uh, you know, hide out here and take a nap and we'll be fine. And then it cuts to black. And of course, we well, remember he's also nursing a head injury. At this yeah. Point. Cookie's in rough shape. And so then it cuts to black and we remember the skeletons we at the beginning and we're like, Oh, but like cut into those last few scenes. They kept, they keep cutting back to this kid who got, you know, uh, booted out a line and he's got his rifle and he's sort of following him in the woods. And the implication is that he's ultimately the one who finds them and either shoots them himself or, uh, you know, blows the whistle on them and gets Toby Jones and his uh, henchmen to get them. So it's, I guess maybe there's a little bit of a parable about like, you know, uh, respect the, respect the continuity of the line or else there are, uh, festering <laughs> consequences that will happen. Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, as much as the creature comforts of this movie are so exquisite, you know, watching all of the fried slash baked goods that they make together yeah. uh, is immense food porn. And it, this is friendship cinema. But also at the same time, I think Kelly Reichardt is showing all of these characters as a place in a system that even though she's depicting something 200 years ago it remains very true today that you know yeah. Lou and cookie are these uh little guys you could call them small businesses or something and their only way to get ahead is to cheat is to yes you know break the law they can't abide by what the system tells them they have to do to get ahead and because of doing that they're putting themselves in a precarious situation well there's that moment where uh, Cookie and King Lou are walking through the woods, and they're sort of—I think they're—they're they're going through. And I, uh, uh, King had uh, set traps for squirrels or something like that, right? And they're clearing the traps. Um, and he says something to the point to the effect of, "History isn't here yet. History hasn't reached these parts yet." And uh, it, it essentially is like, uh, oh, I wrote it down. Uh, sorry. History isn't here yet. It's coming, but we got here early this time. Maybe this time we can be ready for it. We can take it on our own terms. And I think there's so much of this movie that talks about how, like, Cookie and, and, uh, and King Lou operate on, like, in the cracks of this society that hasn't quite formed yet hasn't quite solidified mm -hmm. yet it's still uh they're, they're able to do what they can do and they're, they're able to make the money they can make because there is only one cow in these parts they're able to steal the milk there is no fence around this cow i think it's very important that the last shot we see the cow it's it's surrounded by a fence because mm -hmm. now you know we have reached you know we've 
we've passed the point where we can get away with something before people know are are smart enough to know to keep their cow behind a fence. Uh, they're able smart to enough s- to know or hoarding resources. What well, sure. We talking about? Six of one half dozen of another. But that's the thing is before those resources can be hoarded before the rich people can, you know, cordon off this land and divide it up and, and, and develop it and buy it and whatever that these two guys are able to operate in the margins and to make these little oily cakes and sell a taste of home and take advantage of the fact that there's nobody else who can do this right now. Nobody else who can provide this little taste of comfort. And, there is a ticking clock on that. Like at some point, more people will come, more resources will come, more cows will come, and they're not going to be able to have that advantage anymore. And there's something about the fact that that's almost the only way that people who don't have money and land and privilege and whatever can get ahead in this life is to get ahead of history enough that you can find those little cracks in the system before the system firms up. And it's a really interesting, like for as much as this is a beautifully photographed movie and is about nice people and tasty oily cakes, it's also like a really smart and interesting movie about uh, frontier times that can be applied to, you know, 200 years of history Mm-hmm. going forward so it's a really smart movie and it's a really good movie i like it i like it too great um, movie. <laughs> great it movie. also has a sweet angel boy john margaro much right. like evie the cow i too can only my anxiety can only be assuaged by john margaro whispering to me in the night um john margaro is an actor with an interesting history because I'm trying to think of, like, the first things that I would have ever seen him in. And, like, I remember he was in The Box, 2009's The Box, the Richard Kelly movie, (laughs) where he, like, he looks like a real scary little creep in that movie. And he's, (laughs) you know, lurking outside of people's windows and staring at people at parties and doing the whole uh, Robert Blake in... in, uh, Oh, what's the David Lynch movie? Where he shows up at uh, Bill Pullman's... uh, at the party with Bill Pullman, and he's like, I'm already at your house. Um, Was that Lost Highway? Lost Highway. Yes, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, um, what else? What do you know John Magaro from? Carol, baby. Well, he's yeah. He's the one course, that, uh, you know, uh, tries to get with Therese, and she's like, I'm a lesbian. He's like, that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's cool, baby. That's cool. Uh, he's very handsome in that movie. 2015's a good year for him. It's Carol and The Big Short, and he's got a pretty big role in The Big Short, actually. Have you seen Past Lives yet? It no, God, it's yet. not in Buffalo yet. I'm so mad. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. I super Soon. can't wait. Soon. Um, I'm so excited for it. Um, he was also on Orange is the New Black for a while. He was What's-Her-Face's fiancé. Um, did you watch Orange is the New Black? Uh, for like maybe three Lorna. seasons. He was Lorna's uh, fiance, and he was right. very sweet in that. Um, and then more recently, he was the thoroughly hilarious but also unwell uh, flashback version of Silvio um, in The Many Saints of Newark doing <laughs> something else in that Did movie. Did not watch that movie. Oh, he, he is also was... in showing up, and he's very good in it. This, is, this movie, though, is such an interesting showcase for him, for this, like, character actor who 
is hard to peg down even in a character actor way that like this is just not the type of performer that gets a showcase like this yeah exactly Um, exactly and he's so good he's really like from the very beginning when you watch him with the fur trappers who he's sort of embedded with and he's their cook and they they range from like benign uh, acceptance of him to like outright loathing. Like nobody really likes yeah. him in this little troop. Like uh, he's too soft for this world. Ah, uh, I know. And like uh, you, you really, you really uh, uh, sympathize with him for that. And then he makes it to town, and he's just at this little saloon or whatever. And there's a bar fight, and they which, immediately like, hand him a baby. So that right. they can all go be men and fight. Because there's this one guy who, like, is getting absolutely savaged by this other guy at the bar. Like, getting, like, made fun of to, like, the most extreme degree. And this guy is just, like, carrying a bassinet with a baby. And he's like, hold on a second, I gotta take care of business. And he hands the Cookie the baby. illusion flound of the frontier time. Yeah. Uh, and then he place. says, bitch, I'm from Chicago, I will fuck you up. And he, like, crunches this <laughs> He guy. might have actually been from Chicago. Possibly um, so. Um, and then... And, and so then, just... But yeah, L- Lou shows up in time... Well, first of all, he's clothed now. Um... In an entirely different, like, vibe, and, like, you can tell that he got away because he had uh, killed, like, a Russian captive or something, and he was hostage at the time. Right. But he's in, like, a dandy little hat. Yes. He looks very handsome. Yep. And... Uh, Orion Lee is such an interesting foil as, mm. like, the other part of this twosome in this movie, because yep. he's never, like, smarmy or sleazy, but no. he... He's an operator, a character though. that... Huh, was that? He's an operator. He sort of, he, he like... He is, he is. He he's knows, more savvy. Yeah, he's smarter than Cookie is. Yeah, yeah. Um... But you but never I get think... the sense that he's trying to manipulate Cookie or use Cookie. No. Like, no, it's a really I... nice partnership. I think it's hard to pull off, especially in this atmosphere, in this period. I think mm-hmm. it's really hard to pull off that, like, slickness and not appear villainous in any way. And, like, yeah. you always trust his bond with Cookie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Orion Lee's performance is interesting. And then so Toby Jones enters the picture as, as a, a very Toby Jones character. The chief factor, right? He's the sort of he's the big wig. You can tell he's the one with money. He's got the the biggest house and the fanciest clothes and he's hosting this, you know, captain who is uh in town this army captain and he's, you know, he wants to bring him the news of fashion. Right, the Paris, yeah, what are the Paris trends? What are the Paris trends? And like, and he uh, gets a taste of the oily cake because he hears, like, it's the scuttlebutt around town that, like, it's the it's the big thing of that week or whatever that the oily cakes are, are delicious. And so he goes and he tastes one and he has no idea that this oily cake that he is snacking on was made with the pilfered milk from his cow. And... When you see him later, because then he, you know, asks Cookie if he knows how to make a clafouti, and then can you come over and can you uh, make me a clafouti because I'm hosting this captain and I want to, you know, show off essentially. And a million roses at Toby Jones's pronunciation of clafouti. 
I will pronounce it the exact same way because it's wonderful. It is fancy schmance. Um, and so when we see that scene, when we show up to Chief Factor's house and he's sort of pompously holding forth on the subject of, well, this is why it's not a bad thing to beat your uh, underlings because then it'll convince the other underlings that they should work harder to avoid the beatings. And sometimes it's even preferable to kill one of your workers because then it'll really uh, motivate the other workers. And he's just so amoral and so pompous. And he's also like sort of lording over his what he thinks is this high knowledge of Paris fashion. And this he fancies himself a very worldly person. And yet at the same time does not know enough to know that when he's eating something like a donut or when he's like uh, so impressed by something like a clafouti that those things can only be made with milk. And there's nowhere else that this guy could be getting milk than from your damn cow fuck face and so like he thinks he's so smart and he's so you know it's this classic portrait of uh pompous authority that and he's he's hosting he's got these uh uh native peoples in his home who he's also trying to show off for but also condescend to and this is where lily gladstone shows up and uh she's kind of translating and of course he's trying because uh the captain well she's his wife he's married oh sorry i think i missed that okay so it's her family who's over so he's well, trying it's also all of this detail comes to you in this like single shot that's just revolving yes. around this room which is like exquisitely staged but yeah. like yeah it's you know a certain type of propulsiveness that it's like blinking yeah. you miss any of those details well, and the captain, who's also not like not a great person, but he also at least he has some actual knowledge of the world because he's actually been to some of these places and he knows and he knows that at some point that beaver fur is going to go out of style. And so like maybe like let's keep let's uh, pump the brakes on the beaver fur because at some point and Toby Jones is like, there will always be more beaver fur because there will always be more beavers and we can, you know, uh use and abuse these resources as much as we want to. And Lily Gladstone is translating to who I imagine is her father. Um, uh, and who makes the point of just being like, and you can tell when they're talking to each other that like, cause it's not subtitled, but you can, you kind of get the vibe that they're sort of like Toby Jones, what an asshole. But the only, the thing that she translates is, uh, that her father, the guy who I assume is her father, says, uh, we, we're always so confused that the white people, uh, you know, kill the beaver for their fur and for whatever, but none of them eat the tails, and the tails are so delicious, and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of making a joke at Toby Jones's expense, right? Which is, you know, you people have no idea of the actual value of these resources that you are, you know, consuming the way you are and you're a fool essentially. And yet he still is the guy with the most power and the guy with the, you know, the house. And ultimately he only ever finds out that cookies, the one 
who's stealing milk from his cow when he's like practically caught red-handed. You know what I mean? So, and then it all starts to fall apart. So like, I think that's a fascinating character that Toby Jones plays very, very well. So, um, it's a very good movie. I love this movie so much. Um, is this your favorite Kelly record movie? It's my favorite Kelly record. Um, I mean, uh, would I say it's the best? May maybe maybe not. I mean, certain women has really grown on me over the years in a way that I just really think encompasses everything that Kelly Reichardt has in her stable. I think that movie's incredibly funny. It like it is is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I think you know it, she has this relationship, including First Cow, uh, with the works of Jonathan Raymond that include you know uh, Wendy and Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendy and Lucy, I'm glad I rewatched because it, it for a while felt so untouchable to me because like it was just such a painful first watch. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I abstain on saying what I think her best is because she's still, as much as like, you know, Michelle Williams has given quotes about how she has to like teach to get health insurance and yeah. all of that, like, uh, you know, she has a hard time getting funding for her movies, but at the same time, I don't think her career is anywhere near over. I hope that like, yeah, yeah, I think her I don't best think movie could still be in her. I think I absolutely think so. I don't think she's showing any signs of slowing down in terms of artistic uh, ability. So, um, this movie. Have you seen Old Joy? No, it's like high on my list of uh, Netflix movies that I'm going to get on disc before discs go away. I, I do really feel like, well, you can watch it on Criterion Channel, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but um, you know, I have a plan with this. I feel like Old Joy is maybe the quintessential Kelly Reichardt movie for people who don't like Kelly Reichardt movies, and that it's like everything that they say to like roll their eyes at her movies is like mm. right there in this yeah. movie. It's yeah. just like two friends going on a road trip to go to some hot springs and sure. then going home. And it's like an hour and 15 minutes long. And yeah. it is so textually sure. or texture texture, not text, you know. Textured. Texturally yeah. Yeah. exquisite. It yeah. is you know, when I say that she's like a director of comfort, like mm-hmm. it, that movie's so much so. Yeah. Um it's it's also friendship cinema. Yeah. Um I think you'll like that movie a lot. Nice. So, uh, First Cow was named the best film of 2020 by the New York Film Critics Circle. And Smart it was people. also placed on the top 10 films of the year by the National Board, uh, Board of Review, a list that is very, like, says kind of a lot about what the 2020 awards race was and where people, where they were pulling movies from. So that list, it's, uh, First Cow, which is a, Movie that had played the 2019 festivals and opened in the spring. The 40 year old version, which was a hit, was a hit at Sundance in 2020, and in any other year would have made the NBR top 10 indies, and you know would have been crowded out by bigger studio stuff in the top 10. And so, very cool that it gets to be part of the main top 10. And interestingly, the only Netflix movie in that top 10. Yeah. 
That is interesting. Considering because... Netflix was just like paying $20 million for movies left and right. Well, I mean, their best movie, they did, because they, they do the top 10 and then best film. Their best film was The Five Bloods, but. Oh, right. That's right, because they list that separately. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, but, but like, even Mank, so, like, Mank Netflix didn't show up like, and Chicago Google, Google, Google. 7 didn't show up on that top 10. Yeah. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is one of the latest movies to open that year, like didn't open until February of 2021 with the extended year. Uh, The Midnight Sky Netflix movie. Um, Oh, wait, was that Netflix? Why did I think that was Amazon? Forget everything I just said. No, Midnight, I think so, right? Wasn't it? Midnight Sky, one of the worst movies of the year for COVID. It was my last, it was my last place movie when I, when I ranked all the Oscar nominees from that year. Um, That movie is a... Minari, which I loved. News of the World, which I kind of liked more than I probably, more than it, I don't want to say more than it deserved, but like, I think a lot of people were like snooze of the world more like, but like, I. If that movie wasn't released in the COVID year, we would be talking about it on this podcast. Oh, that's definitely true. But I liked it. I still liked it. Um, no Man Land, which of course goes on to win Best Picture. Promising Young Woman, which goes on to win Best uh, Original Screenplay and is also a Picture and Director nominee. Soul, which is like a classic COVID year movie where like I remember watching that movie. I remember loving that movie. I remember being moved to tears by that movie because that movie really hit a nerve with me in terms of like there was a while there in that COVID year where I'm like, well, I waited too long to do anything and now the world has ended and it's just too late. And like soul hit that nerve pretty severely. So I remember like really loving it. And I have not given a thought to that movie in the last three years. Yeah, Because it's not a good movie. It is a good movie. I think I just haven't thought about it. I think I stick up for soul, but like, I fully admit that it like has slipped out of my head in a way that something like Luca hasn't like Luca has stayed with me. Um, and then sound of metal, which is another best picture nominee, which I think is a very good movie. So, um, tangentially to this NBR top 10 placement, I've made a game for you, Chris. Oh, so I'm calling this game. Worst cow, which is sort of an imprecise title, but it's Ooh, basically tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. Right. Well, if you didn't like that pun, get ready because there's a lot in your future. So I have created a game where I am describing the title of a movie. All of these movies were on the NBR top 10 of their respective year. I have, I will describe to you the plot of this movie, uh, that has been cowified in one way or another it has it is a <laughs> plot of a movie that has been uh infiltrated with cows and you have to give me what the title of this movie is uh the cow the cow version of the title so for example i've written down a couple of examples uh if i said that uh a group of four cows get together and reminisce their carefree childhood uh at summer camp where one of them fell in love with Devin Sawa. What would what movie am I talking about? You're talking about Cow and Then. Cow and Then. See, so you get it. Right. So, all right. So I don't need to explain it anymore. You get it. All right. Uh, I have 10 questions for you. I think you're going to do better. Now that you, you getting that right away <laughs> tells me you're going to do well at this. Okay. Are you ready to play yeah. Worst Cow? Moo. 
Exactly. Okay. Uh, a 1941 John Ford film about a family of Welsh mining cows who dream of giving their young calves a better life. Cow Green Was My Valley. Cow Green Was My Valley. Correct. Okay. Next one. A 1967 John Schlesinger, Schlesinger film based on the Thomas Hardy novel about a headstrong cow in Victorian England who inherits her uncle's farm and is determined to run it herself, despite the incredulity of the bulls around her. Far from the matting cowed? Far from the matting cows, but yes, sure. Uh, It doesn't have to be quite that uh, exactly. Yes, far from the matting cows. All right, next one. A cow in the United States Army must go upriver in Vietnam to dispatch a colonel who has gone mad cow. Apocalypse Cow. Apocalypse Cow. Very good. Okay. Next one. 1954 Stanley Donnan musical where a bull in 19th century Oregon brings home the cow he just married and his six brothers all decide they want to marry cows of their own and they go and seek out the most well-endowed ones. Seven brides for seven cows? No. What would make... A cow seem particularly well endowed. A large bell around their neck. No, like anatomically. Udders. Yeah. Seven brides for seven udders. Seven brides for seven udders. Very good, Chris. All right. Next one. In the Deep South during the Great Depression, three cows escape from a chain gang and go on the run, embarking on a strange odyssey where they encounter many peculiar cows. Oh, brother, where art cow? Oh, brother, where art cow? Correct. Next one. A 2010 British independent film about a happily married couple of cows and their unhappily married cow friend, who is kind of a disaster in all facets of her life, even though their smug happiness is kind of unbearable for their friend. An utter year. An utter year. Yes. Mike Lee's An Utter Year. Very good. You are very good at this game. Kind of even better than I expected. Okay. 1958 film where Elizabeth Taylor plays a cow who was clomp, clomp, clomping as fast as she can to capture the attentions of her alcoholic ex-jock husband who has no sexual interest in her for reasons. Um, Wait. Sorry, go back. 1958 film, where Elizabeth Taylor plays a cow who is clomp, clomp, clomping as fast as she can to capture the attentions of her alcoholic ex-jock husband who has no sexual interest in her for reasons. Cat on a hot tin hoof? Cat on a hot tin hoof is correct. You are killing this game. I am as proud of you as I've ever been. Okay. Uh, Another English indie film. This one is about a woman who provides abortions in the 1950s and perhaps also illicitly prepares her patients a perfectly prepared dinner afterwards. Abortions with dinner. Perhaps a perfectly seared dinner afterwards. Vila Drake? Close. Um, I'm going to give you one other shot at it. But you are... You are Right on the precipice. Vera Steak. Vera Steak is the actual correct answer. Another Mike Lee film, Vera Steak. All right, next one. 
The bovine residents of South Yorkshire have fallen on hard financial times, so to make ends meet, they decide to put on an amateur strip show. The full moon tea? (laughs) No, but I love that attempt at it. I'm going to give you another shot. The the mm. male bovine residents of South Yorkshire have fallen on hard the times. The bull Monty. The bull Monty is correct. All right. Last question. Last uh, uh, entry. An attack of conscience moves a successful cow agent to change the way he does business. An epiphany that leaves him with only one milk producing client, but the romantic devotion of another cow whose weird little calf idolizes him. Okay. This is Jerry Mugwire. Not what I had, but again, I like where you're thinking. Mm-mm. Give it another shot. Steery Maguire? What? Steery Maguire? No, but you're steers? so close. Not Jerry Maguire, but... Jerry Maguire. No. Um. Let's see. Uh... Focus Dairy on Maguire? Dairy Maguire is absolutely correct. The answer, correct answer that I was looking for is Dairy Maguire. Um, that's the quiz. That's the game. You went 10 for 10. It's very impressive. I hope you appreciate it. My respect it. for you waned with each. <laughs> I love you. That's all I was looking for, Chris. That's all I was looking for was to lose as much respect as possible in the course of that game. <laughs> All right. Really, I feel like this is just our... our. We were so bored during COVID that I feel like this was just bringing up what our text messages probably would have been. Probably true. Yes. Yeah. Um. So this movie made $101,000 domestically at the box office, which honestly, like, good for good for first cow. To have making... only done that at limited release for, like, a week. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's not <laughs> bad. Movie. Um, I think it made enough overseas to uh, uh, maybe crack a million um, worldwide. But, uh, yeah, not so much over here. Um, I mean, please, I... we were paying $20 to watch fucking onward at this point this movie probably did okay on vod we were was, paying we would pay twenty dollars to watch anything if yeah we hadn't seen it before well i mean there were enough things that were on free streaming that we did okay without it but yes uh, i did not pay for onward is what i'm is what i'm getting at nor i but still you you get what I, I did eventually watch it but it was when it came on to disney plus okay uh so i want to i mentioned this earlier so even because there were, I do remember, there were definitely inklings. And the fact that First Cow showed up on a lot of the early critics awards stuff that the New York Film Critics and National Board mm-hmm. of Review, there was definitely a lot of talk as to like, is First Cow like maybe the best picture front runner? I do remember people were actually sort of like banding that for about. For like two seconds, especially after New York made that choice. What, I mean, like, good on New York for making that call. What yeah. does really feel like it could have been possible would have been an adapted screenplay nomination yes which, like would have highly deserved. to especially female directors getting screenplay nominations when you know it's their directing that we usually cherish but like i mean first cow we've pointed out reasons why this is a great screenplay um yeah so uh a24 went with minari instead which had played the sundance film festival 
in January. I remember that was another one where people were like, this is a really good movie that a lot of people should see. And I think there was a sense of it would be really great if we could keep this movie afloat to get like an Oscar nomination or two down the road. And then the longer the year went, the more I think confidence A24 got in the idea that they could really make a push for this movie and sort of take the, you know, the more sparse field for movies in 2020 and really do something with it. And to their credit, they did it to the tune of best picture nomination, best uh, director nomination, best actor nomination. They win supporting actress. It's like, uh, it's a really, really well done campaign for Minari. So good for a 24 there. Um, Where did you, you were a Minari fan. Right. Yes. Yeah, yes. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, I I think at the time I would have said I would have m- voted for Minari of the Best Picture nominees. Um, it was definitely my. I mean, it was my number one of the year. So yeah. Um, the other A twenty four movies that year they had they had they were co producer or co distributor on On the Rocks and Boy State. Even though those two movies were definitely seen as Apple TV Plus movies more so than yeah. they were A twenty four movies. Um, then there was also. Uh, Saint Maud, which was a really good. That one ended up on the NBR uh, independent films list, and I really, really uh, enjoyed that movie. I thought that was very good. And then that was it. Like it was a really sort of, you know, obviously a limited slate for A twenty four that year, but they kind of made the most of it. So, and had my two favorite movies of twenty twenty. So, like that's not goddamn bad. Um. What else? Let's talk about the Gotham Awards. We don't really talk about the Gotham Awards a lot. They come very, very early in the awards season. This past year, they announced their uh, nominees in October, which I don't care how many screeners you've seen. Like, it's obnoxious to announce your nominees in October. I'm sorry. (laughs) It just is. Um, Yes, but they're focusing on independent films. So it's like a lot of the movies that they nominate, it helps people watch them like you know it oh, helps you know I, platform sure. a lot of these movies absolutely and and very good and they're and their taste <laughs> that being is generally said, this really year good. they're nominating netflix and amazon movies sure yeah so uh first cow ends up with five gotham nominations uh, it doesn't win anything but it gets five nominations it is nominated for best feature which goes to nomadland uh also nominated were the assistant which i believe was another one that got released before the pandemic started, right? It premiered at the same Telluride as First Cow. Right. But it got released in theaters, I think, even like in February, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is a movie that did very well in that awards season, and I didn't really Also love didn't it. really get a chance to platform. Right. Uh, and then The Relic, which might have been oversold to me a little bit, um, the horror movie The Relic, but ultimately was pretty good, I thought. Um... Magaro? I never saw it because I only heard negative things about it. Oh, see, I thought I oh I only heard positive things, so I was a little bit oversold on it for some reason. Interesting. Um, Magaro gets nominated for best actor. Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal wins, and he goes on to get a nomination at the Oscars. Chadwick Boseman is nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and we all know how that all turned out uh, in terms of uh, the Oscars, assuming that. Uh, Best Actor was going to go posthumously to him, and it did not work out that way. Uh, The Gothams were the only ones to nominate Jude Law for The Nest, which still, I mean, we're going to do The Nest at some point for this podcast, but like, still baffles me that 
kind of across the board that Jude Law is a two-time Oscar nominee for Talented Mr. Ripley and Cold Mountain, and has had a lot of roles recently where lesser actors giving lesser performances have gotten awards runs for like, oh, this guy still got it. You know what I mean? The year... Um, I guess he, he's certainly not like an old grizzled Nick Nolte and warrior or anything like that, but like Jude Law is given some really good Anna Karenina, for example, a movie that was definitely on Oscar's radar. I'm like, you can't tell me that people who have given worse performances than Jude Law and Anna Karenina have gotten, haven't gotten nominations. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so Jude I'll Law I'm really Nest, excited to rewatch The Nest because that's such a good movie. Really Maybe is. we'll, I mean, so many COVID episodes, but. Uh, if the Sean Durkin movie does indeed open this year, maybe that'll be a good time. Did you end up watching Dead Ringers, by the way? I haven't finished it. The Rachel Vice. Sean Durkin's episodes of Dead Ringers are so fucking atmospherically dreadful. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. Like, the dread is just seeping through the screen. He do- he's It's such a good job. And they're so horrifying. Like, it's so... I always talk about how Sean Durkin if he ever makes a proper horror movie will like make the greatest horror movie ever because his instincts for horror in non-horror properties are so good. Dead ringers is another perfect example of that. It'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see if he brings any of that to the iron claw, which is not really like, that's a, that's a tragic story. That's a story about, you know, a wrestling family where a bunch of the sons met, you know, uh, sad, tragic ends, but that's not really, it doesn't really lend itself to horror imagery, but who knows? He's a very talented filmmaker. Who knows? Um, and then also Jesse Plemons was nominated by the Gotham's, your boyfriend Jesse Plemons, for uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. We're very happy together. Uh, uh, was nominated for Best Screenplay, which was won by both the 40-year-old version and, and 14. Orion Lee got nominated for Best Breakthrough Actor, which Kingsley Benadier won for One Night in Miami. Uh, was nominated for the Audience Award, along with like literally 20 other movies, and uh, Nomadland won that. Um, so good for the Gotham's for recognizing First Cow to the extent that it did. It also got three Independent Spirit Award nominations, which the... Indie Spirits went big for Nomadland, as a lot of places did that year. Um, but Reichert's nominated for Best Director, uh, rightfully so. Um, the Best Feature nominees that year were kind of similar to the Gotham's, right? Nomadland, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Minari, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Like mm-hmm. Those were the big ones this year. I'm trying to th- think of, the- see if there was any kind of standout, unusual... Um, Oh, Benedict Wong for Nine Days, which I watched, and I didn't really like Nine Days very much. That was a Sundance movie that people seem to really, really like. I would have thought you would have liked that movie. It didn't do it for me. I thought it was was a little too... I thought it was real... Like, it's real low-key. Like, it's real deliberately paced. kind of high-key on its concept, in a way. Yeah. You know, there is a little bit of it that feels a little quaint, but... I didn't really connect to it. it. Maybe I I would have liked it less if I didn't see it during the pandemic. But. I think that's probably true for a lot of things for me, too. So, yeah. Um, what else did it's we want to mention about First Cow? I, I want to loop back to Kelly Reichardt a little bit. Let's because it. it really kind of is just... Unfo- I mean, like, you know, you hate to have the, the Oscars aren't cool enough for this conversation. But, like, yeah. it really is a shame that this is the closest that she probably will ever have one of her movies get to Oscar. I don't even think it comes down to coolness with Kelly Riker. She just, she operates in a temperature and, you know, that, that doesn't 
cross the path of the Oscars. You know what I mean? Like that's a ridiculously yeah. bad metaphor, but you know what I mean? Like there is, there's a pace to her movies and there is a, uh, organizing principle to her movies that just like, they're not flashy in any way. They're Everything not... that makes them great is what makes them a tough sell with the Oscars. Yeah, totally. And, and it's think... like she, we just did Wonderstruck or at least Wonderstruck dropped today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many episodes we've done since then at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, she has this close personal relationship with Todd Haynes and it just feels like they're, you know, the cool kids that, you know, are just never invited to the prom or some I don't know what. I don't want to do some childish metaphor for it, but it's just like <laughs> Sure. You know, he, yeah. even he is more accessible to, you know, the industry or the establishment than she is. And like it, So long know. as so long as there's still somebody willing to give her enough of a budget to make keep making these movies. I'm fine. She, of course, I, of course, right. want her to be recognized. That's the whole point of, you know, us yeah. loving the Oscars like we do. We want our faves to be recognized. But and we want people to see these movies, too, because I do think what I do think is yeah. true of First Cow is I do think her filmography clicked into place for a lot of people who maybe felt on the outside of it or, you know, didn't mm-hmm. feel the urgency to watch or rewatch any of it. And I think First Cow did make a lot of people get her. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's not as meandering as Meek's Cutoff. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. interesting, like, Meek's Cutoff is actually... Well, I don't know. I guess this movie, too, there's like a, there's a chase and they're being pursued with, you know, guns and whatever. But like Meek's Cutoff is just like a very deliberately slow paced movie. And mm-hmm. I think First Cow, there's a bit more pep in its step a little bit. Right. And there's a little, mm-hmm. you know, there's the characters, I think, are probably easier to latch on to. Certainly Cookie and and Lou. And I think it's yeah, it's a little it's a little snappier. And I mean, when you say that about Kelly Riker, like you really are speaking relatively <laughs> to everything else. But I think snappier, that's snappier, but I think it's one of actually her longer movies. Um I, yeah. I mean, I think the other thing too, you know, just to talk about like film culture a little bit or like, you know, the apparatus with which these movies have reached people, like mm-hmm. it's I hope that, uh, you know, A24 continues to stick by her because, you know, with all of the success and the money that they make from, like, horror movies or, you know, the success of Everything Everywhere All at Once when, you know, her movies aren't making them money, but they hopefully will still stand by her because otherwise, why would an outlet like this exist? Right. You know, like, all of her movies before this, like, IFC was the biggest distributor, and it's like, sure, IFC has some reach to get to audiences, but, you know, they also release a lot of movies, and... Mm -hmm. Or used to they? I think they're going under. Um, oh, you know, she hasn't always had the distributor that's been able to like reach even by limited release. You know, wide. Yeah, who were her you know? distributors through the years? I'm trying to look through. Um, Old Joy was. God, what even was Old Joy? Who was uh, distributed that movie? That was a real, real, like indie indie movie. Um. I know Oscilloscope did um, Wendy and Lucy. Wendy and Lucy. Yep. Meeks was Oscilloscope as well. Let's see. Night Moves was 
Cinedime. That's interesting. Yeah, Night Moves, I think it took a while to actually get to theaters from its festival release. Yeah. Certain Women. That's IFC. That's your IFC one. And then what did we say? First Cow was A24. And then Showing Up is also A24? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where did you Which see Which is not to dog up? any distributors, but like it makes it a lot easier to for people to not see those movies, you know? Yeah. Um, where did you see showing up in terms of theatrically or festival-wise so, or what? Uh, kind of like our um, – through the university, the film center at the university has a relationship with Kelly Reichardt. They did a fellowship with her, and she has stayed very loyal um, to them. And I saw both certain women and showing up here where she uh, gave a talk back. She is rad as fuck. She is so cool and chill and funny. Yeah. Um, so I got to see both uh, with her in person. Nice. Is it not the craziest thing that Kelly Reichardt was born and raised in Miami? <laughs> like, is it like of all, like, you could have given me a hundred American cities to guess and I would not have gotten to Miami before I guessed. Uh, I mean, I I have uh, a friend who is maybe a little younger than her who also grew up in Miami and I feel like those two would vibe. So Yeah. I just mean she's, <laughs> she's so intimately emotionally connected to the Pacific Northwest. You know what I mean? Like she's the Oregoniest uh filmmaker I can think of, right? And well, she's also a filmmaker who didn't, you know, really make films until, you know, well into her life after doing other things within yeah. you know the filmmaking world too. So, you know, maybe Talk she... about that a little bit cuz I think people don't really know about that a ton. Um I mean, I maybe don't know enough to really speak on it. She, you know, worked on other people's films, including Todd Haynes, uh, came up with uh, came up through the like killer films crew, kind of. Mm-hmm. And she makes River of Grass in the '90s. It doesn't do very well. I would probably be willing to bet that more people have seen that movie in the past five years than saw it, you know, in the it's. 20 years before that of being released. I think that movie's good. It is very 1990s first filmmaker movie. Sure, sure. But it still has such a distinct point of view, and there's kind of this edge to it that Mm -hmm. is, I wouldn't say not present in her other movies, but uh, is an interesting compliment to her other movies when you've seen yeah. her whole filmography. It did get three Independent Spirit Award nominations. So that's, you know, credit to them for, again, 1990s Independent Spirit Awards were a, were a whole other piece of business. And and that one was right. released by Strand Releasing, which has a great history of releasing. We love the good folks at Strand Releasing. Really, really interesting stuff. So, yeah, she is definitely one of the most interesting indie filmmakers around. And I really love her. Um, I was just sort of perusing my little notes and want to make sure that I get uh, everything. And... Oh, there's the moment very early on in the movie after I think it's after Cookie leaves or no, it's when he's foraging at the beginning of the movie for food for For the little fur traders. And first of all, the sound design in that scene where he's picking the mushrooms is exquisite. Like there's a snap Mm -hmm. 
to it when he breaks off the mushrooms from the ground that sounds so like I hate mushrooms. Culin like culinarily, I can't stand mushrooms. They're like one of my like list of like absolutely never foods. And yet I'm watching that scene where it's just like snap, crisp, pop. You know what I mean? And it's just like it just sounds very fresh and very delicious. And I'm like, I want to eat whatever he is going to be making with these things. Um, so good job to the sound design for this whole movie. I think it's really, really well done. Also, like the um the scene where uh Lou is up in the tree and the branch is like crick, crick, creaking. Uh tremendously tense but um there's the moment there where cookie is foraging in the woods and he comes upon a little salamander that is upside down and i thought it was dead i think we're meant to think it's dead and cookie just takes it and he turns it over and it goes along its way and it's like well that's just the sweetest thing i've ever seen a person do in a movie much less in like the (laughs) rough and tumble 1820s or whatever so it just says a lot about that lovely, lovely character. What else do you have to say about First Cow? Uh, I, to kind of piggyback on the little salamander, lizard, whatever it was thing, like there's a certain level of describing the gentleness of this movie sounds way more cloying and saccharine than it actually yeah, is. Yeah, don't, don't, go, think don't go by me. <laughs> the, the gentility of this movie has so much uh, depth of feeling that, uh, Agreed. you Agreed. know, it, it's so good. Uh, I would just uh, also highlight uh, Kelly Reichardt's regular cinematographer, Christopher Blavelt, um, who also shot Showing Up. Uh, this movie looks extraordinary. Yes, it um, does. In the rectangular, all right, fuck off. A- Academy ratio. Um, I would allow boxy. Yes. What what shape are boxes? Sometimes rectangles. Yeah, you got me there. Fine. Um, um, excellent cinematographer who I don't believe has had a nomination yet, but it's coming. Uh, I love his work. Yeah, he shot um, the new Todd Haynes movie because I guess Lockman wasn't available. Oh, that's interesting. I'm so excited for that one. All right. Do we want to move into IMDb game territory? You know, we sure can. Since uh, we already had a game, why not? Why not another? The game. Yes, the game of games. Yes. We end our episodes with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they're most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or non-acting credits, we'll mention that up front. And after two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release here says a clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints, and that is the IMDb game. It sure is. Would you like to give a clue first or guess first? Uh, I'll give first. Okay, what you got? I'll give first. I was going through the Kelly Reichardt stable of actors, uh, some of which she's had returning performances from. I ended up choosing someone as we had never pulled this person before, that uh, I believe is only in her newest film showing up. That is Mr. Judd Hirsch. Oh, Judd Hirsch. One television. I imagine the television is Taxi. It is Taxi. I imagine one of the films is probably Ordinary People. Incorrect. Okay. 
No Ordinary People. His first Oscar nomination. I'm going to guess... Great in- performance. Yes. Probably should have won Timothy Hutton's Oscar, in my opinion. Uh, Independence Day. Correct, Independence Day. Okay, so two of four. Very rad that Independence Day is on his known for. He is wonderful in that I'm movie. very resistant to guessing The Fablemans, even though it's an Oscar nomination, because it's so new and because it didn't make very much money. But um, putting a pin in that, what else? Judd Hirsch. Gosh. You know what? No, I'm going to have to guess Fablemans because I, I want years if I miss it. So Fablemans. The Fablemans is correct. It is correct. Okay. Okay. So three of four, and I've gotten one wrong answer. Um, da, 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 da. What else has Judd Hirsch been in? Uh, Independence Day Resurgence or whatever. <laughs> Incorrect. Okay. What's my year? Your year is 2001. Oh. Okay. 2001. Is it uh, an awardsy movie? Yes. It is. Is he in A Beautiful Mind? He's in A Beautiful Mind. Really? Do not remember him one bit from him being in A Beautiful Mind. Okay. Just had to... I know that I said I was going to give you something uh, difficult. You did. You promised. Put a pause on that until okay. next week. All right. Um, yeah, I had to torture you because A Beautiful Mind showed up. Okay. Well, I am giving you an incredibly obscure uh, actress, so forgive me. Um, I went into John Magaro's filmography, and his very first movie was uh, co-starring with one Miss Jodie Foster. So I'm going to give you Jodie Foster. Is Did you not mention the title of that movie because it's in his known for? Uh, you know what? I'm going to not say either way. And then you can uh, <laughs> guess. Well, that's interesting. Um, is that movie Flight Plan? No. And it's not one of your four. So strike one. Okay. Oh, um, I think I've gotten in your head with this. Maybe you have. Um, I'm going to say the many, <laughs> the many Saints of Newark. You're guessing Jodie Foster. Oh, oh! I yeah. was okay. I thought you were saying no. He was in a movie. Okay, never mind. No. He is in a movie with Jodie Foster, but Jodie Foster. I never would have guessed Flight Plan. Oh, okay. If, if I well, realized what was clean happening. Slate. No, it's clean okay. Slate. That's on me. That's on me. I will take the loss for fi- Flight Plan, and I will say The Silence of the Lambs. Correct. I will say, um, Contact. No, incorrect. So that's strike two. Wow. So your years are 1976, 1988, Which is Taxi and 2007. T- 2007 and what? Well, if you weren't talking over me, you would no. Uh, 1976, an 1988, and 2007. 88's The Accused. Yes. I realize she won an Oscar for that movie, but... You said the 1976 one, but I didn't hear it, so I do need to hear it. Taxi Driver. Yes, correct. Um, anybody who wants to say that someone is in rightful possession of Glenn Close's Oscar, guess what? The person is Jodie Foster. It's true. Um, it's true. 2007. Is that the brave one? The brave one. Ew! John Magaro's first movie, The Brave One. Neil Jordan's The Brave One. Ew! Yeah. 
That movie sucks. Yeah. We could do an episode on that movie. Yeah, we could. Probably should at some point. Yes. Good job. Congratulations. You've gotten all the Jodies. Oh, we love Jody. We do love Jody. We love She's we love single. Kelly Reichart. She has, she came out as single, famously enough. Uh, and then showed up later to the Golden Globes in her PJs. We love her. All right. During the pandemic, it all comes full it circle. It all comes around The together. most pandemic movie is The Mauritanian. The Mauritanian, you're absolutely right. It's The Mauritanian. Because, you know, it also won a Golden Globe. That didn't happen. The Mauritanian was a movie that on the eve of Oscar nominations that year seemed like it could get anywhere from zero to seven nominations. Like One thousand percent. Absolutely what, had yeah. that vibe. Yeah. 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 All right. God, that pandemic Golden Globes was the weirdest fucking set of nominees and winners ever. Do you remember Rosamund Pike winning for I Care A Lot? Do you remember that that <laughs> happened? Do you remember? Strangest goddamn thing. It was a very Globes set of winners, except for Andrew Day winning, which I was a good win. I It's still weird. It's it may be a good win, but it's still so weird that that happened. I mean, five people watched that movie and I was one of them, but (laughs) she's great in it. Sure. It's Um, not a good movie, but she's it's not a good movie, but she's good in it. I think I agree with that. Okay. All right. And that is our episode. If you want more of This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz and our Instagram at thishadoscarbuzz. Chris, where can the listeners find more of you? You can find me on Twitter and letterboxed at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. And I am on Twitter and letterboxed at Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Medias for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcasts visibility. So put that blueberry clafu tea in the oven at about 350 degrees for 50 minutes, which should give you plenty of time to write something sweet about us. That's all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. So I can't deny a lie Cause you're the only one to make me fly You know what you are, you are First cow, first cow Yeah, yours First cow uh-huh. You can give it to me when I need to come along First cow, first cow You're my first cow And baby, you can turn me on Baby, you can turn me on Moo 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 with me. Over the moon. Moo with me. Moo with me, Kelly Reichart. What if that's how Kelly Reichart like ended the shoot for First Cow? What if Kelly Reichart made a rent? What if she made John Magaro and Orion Lee like moo with her at the end? Wait, Kelly Reichart's rent would be rad as fuck. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they would all be hiking across the Oregon wilderness for two hours it'd be great i mean i would watch i mean she will probably make a movie about squatters rights so <laughs> that is true kelly reichardt squatters rights uh toronto film festival 2024. a rent story yeah all right bye